Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in through Spotify, iTunes, several other areas through which you can come to hear this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to smash the subscribe button, click the bell for continuing notifications, and give a thumbs up if you appreciate or benefit from this episode whatsoever. The Church Militant on Her Posture. This is a a uh, little mini-series that I taught for Sunday school um, over the last few weeks at my church, Victory Baptist Church, and I thought I would I would come and kind of share some, some gleanings with you all uh, that I uh, gleaned throughout the course of, of preparing for that. I will say at the outset, before we, before we dig into this here, that... Um, you should go check out my Substack newsletter, joshsummer.substack.com. Subscribe. There's a free and a paid option. The paid option, of course, helps to produce content like this. Um, I am expanding the Baptist broadcast. So pretty soon it's going to have a URL that reflects that expansion. It's going to not be my name anymore. Right now it's joshsummer.org. Um, but but I'm looking to add some some contributors, um, and so it's going to be changed to something related to the website, either Baptist Broadcast or the Baptist Broadcast, and hopefully it'll be a .com URL. So be looking for that, and I'll, I'll keep everyone updated on the Facebook and and Twitter and all that. By the way, if you've not caught me on Twitter and you're on Twitter, go find me on there. It's at sixteen eighty nine broadcast. That's my Twitter handle. Just so you guys know, this is uh, an episode related to the culture war and how the church needs to be interacting with the culture and with what is happening in terms of our uh, governmental maneuvers, the, the, the situation we find ourselves in with the gross overreach, tyrannical overreach, um, and uh, with COVID and, and local governmental overreach as well, not just federal. And of course, you know, when all of this started to happen uh, almost two years ago now, gosh, uh, crazy to think that it's been that long. Um, when, when all of it started to happen, people were in a frenzy, right? Nobody knew what to do. There was a lot of reaction. One of the biggest examples, one of the most clearest examples of the reaction was shutting church down altogether. Um, and, and you know, you can see that, you can give some grace in the situation because there was so, so, um, so much ignorance at the time, myself included. Everybody was just, nobody knew what was going on, really. Um, and so there's a lot of grace to be given at the outset there, you know, churches that closed down for a couple of weeks, a few weeks or whatever, just to figure out what was going on. But eventually the tea leaves started really to to uh, to kind of give off indications that perhaps, uh, you know, this this virus wasn't at least wasn't as universally um, as universally, I guess you could say, um, atrocious as the media and and the government was making it seem uh, the CDC and the who and all of that. And, and, and you had, lo and behold, churches that continued to react to the situation. That's going to be a key word here in, in, our, in our present episode. They, they continued to react 
to the situation by keeping their doors closed and and uh, and they continued piping out sermons through through Zoom and YouTube and and all of that for months. This went on. Um, I I think there were probably churches that were still closed almost a year into this thing. There may still be churches that are closed as a result. There may be churches that, as a result of them closing at the outset, couldn't open their doors again for whatever reason. Uh, I've heard of churches who's who 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 lost massive amounts of people, uh, who just never came back. They're they're open. They're they're they've resumed services. You know, even even they were closed for maybe a couple of months and they resumed services and then just like a large swath of people never came back, right? And um. And so that's that's the fruit, I think, of, of of a reactionary posture of local churches, which I would argue against. I don't think church, God's people, are not normatively to be reactionary to the world. And I think we're equipped uh, through the Word of God to be in a situation to 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 uh, kind of establish a situation as a local church, wherein we're not always on on the reactionary, you know, the reactionary trend. And now let me apply this to not just the COVID situation, but, but the culture war in general. There are ministries, churches, you know, and, and their, their, their narrative, their talking points, all of that is driven by what's going on in the world. And so they've taken a fundamentally reactionary posture toward what is going on, and that's all cloaked in terms of practical theology, really. You know, well, our people need to know how to 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 address these things, to categorize these things, to respond to these things. So, so that's why we that's why we're always talking about what's going on, right? And so there's a great deal of of reaction. I want to argue instead for a a proactionary posture, if that's even a word. I'm, I'm making it a word. If it's not. A proactionary posture versus a reactionary posture, generally normatively in the church. And really, uh, there's a. Na- I'm going to begin by by stating that there's a there's this natural distinction, right, that we find in 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 everyday circumstances. You can you can find it in the workplace. You especially find it in the military. Survival situations would be you know the more special situation that that not everybody's in, at least in the West. Um, but this this distinction, natural distinction uh, of choice between fight versus flight, right? Everybody knows that 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 when you're put into a a a kind of pressing scenario, a circumstance that requires an instant an instant kind of a, a, a an, an action, um, a decisive you know point in your life or in any given uh, area of your life. That requires you to either fight or fly, to run away. Or, or, or it doesn't require you to do one or the other. You have the option to do one or the other, right? Uh, this is not a, you know, this is not a, uh, this is something probably that's, 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 that's brought down to the individual level in terms of the individual person on a weekly basis almost. I mean, things that you end up experiencing within the workplace uh, you know, and, and then you think about the community. Uh, in 2011, a, a massive tornado went through my hometown. I'm from Joplin, Missouri. So if you remember the May 22nd, 2011 tornado, F5 plus went through there, went back home from the military the weekend afterwards. And it, and it, and it looked like, you know, a nuclear bomb landed on the place. The damage path was so wide. 
that if you were to stand in the middle of it and look in the uh, 360 degree, you know, kind of radius, uh, you would um, you would think that a bomb went off. Bark was stripped off of the trees that were still standing. Buildings were leveled. Houses were gone. Um, even the hospital there, one of the largest hospitals in town, uh, St. John's, 11 stories, I think, about 11, 12 stories maybe, was was picked up. It was kind of like this building. It was very brutalist architecture. So it's just kind of a block, massive block. This thing was picked up and shifted on its foundation, 11 stories high, put back on its foundation. You couldn't even tell it was picked up, really, just by looking at it. But it was, so the whole thing had to be scrapped, dem- demolished, and, and, uh, and a new one rebuilt south of town. There was a lot of communal reaction and supra-communal reaction because communities from outside of that local community came in to help as well. So there were, there were communities beyond just Joplin coming in to assist with the emergency. So you have this idea of, of fight versus flight, not only applied to the individual, perhaps on a regular basis, but also fight versus flight, you know, kind of applied to the community. You know, how do we do this? You know, what, what is going to be our reaction, right? How are we going to, to, um, to plan, not only plan, but, but react to the scenario we find ourselves in? And then you have warfare strategy, right? Where this becomes very, very, <clears throat> very obvious. Because you have this distinction between preemptive warfare and defensive warfare. Preemptive warfare is like what we did with Iraq in 2003, right? We go in before they attack. At least that's what it was called. It was called, for those of you who believe in the... In, in the righteousness of that of that war, which is technically a, a conflict, not a war, but uh, for those of you who believe that you know we did the right thing, that that was a preemptive attack uh, on a country. They didn't attack us first, right? We attacked we attacked them. That was the that was the selling point, and the whole idea was well, they're funding terrorists who are attacking us via you know 9/11 and other situations overseas, and so we're we're just going to go after them. Uh, preemptively, before whatever they're planning to do gets worse, or before they themselves launch an attack, or or whatever, you know, we're going to go in there preemptively. That was the selling point. There have been other wars that have been, you know, labeled preemptive. Vietnam was preemptive. Um, you know, we're 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 going in. They haven't attacked us, but we're going in to prevent a bigger situation from emerging uh, out of what's going on in that particular country. In that case, Vietnam. And so that that's preemptive warfare, and that's always that's always the the ideal because preemptive warfare allows the the country that is preempting to control the situation. Then you have defensive warfare. Defensive warfare is a is, is much less ideal because you you can't control the situation as well because you're on your you're on your heels. You're reacting, right? You're not being proactive as you are in the case of preemption, but you're 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 being defensive. You're on the defense, not the offense. And then there's preemptive planning and defensive planning versus defensive planning. And I've sat in briefs, military briefs, that involve both, right? So you have uh, preemptive planning, uh, you know, these these plans that, that are kind of in the back pocket of the U.S. military and different uh, areas of command around the world. You know, what do we do if China does this? Or what do we do if, 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 if North Korea does this or whatever? And there's already plans for that, right? There are already plans for that. Um, that actually, and, and those were are more uh, reactionary plans. They're actually plans that that are 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 what to do in order to prevent those things from happening as well. 
and, and that's more along the lines of preemptive planning. That's always better because you can control the situation. Then you have defensive planning, like what if what if uh, what if North Korea, uh, you know, crosses the the uh, um, uh, crosses the DMZ into South Korea? What do we do then? That's that's very strategically defensive. Um, it's not offensive and it's not ideal. I've sat through briefings that involve actually that very scenario where North Korea decides to 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 come onto South Korea's turf, cross the DMC uh, with a with a military posture, full intent on assaulting South Korea. You know what do we do? It actually doesn't look that great. Uh, you know, it's like if you're if you're based up by the DMZ, it's something like you know fall back beyond the bridge, blow the bridge, fall back to um, fall back to Seoul and defend Seoul. <laughs> And that's it. Just like let's hope for the best. We don't have that minute, that much, that much, you know, weaponry and all of this. So, um, not 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 much ammo. It's not looking good, right? Uh, North Korea would have the upper hand in that in that case. It just would not, you know, we'd eventually win, but millions, you know, thousands, at least thousands, would would die. So defensive planning is always less ideal than preemptive planning. That's just a natural principle. This this goes on. This is an everyday thing. Fight versus flight. What are you going to do? You'd rather be fighting. You'd rather be uh you'd rather be on the up and up. You'd rather be preemptive rather than in a position where you have to run away, rather than in a position where you have to react, 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 right? You want to transcend the situation such that you are you're actually being proactive and you can in a sense just kind of ignore what your enemy's doing. Because what you're doing is design, it takes them into account, takes their work into account, takes their strategy into account, so you can just keep plodding along such that you're not reacting all the time. And I think that's, that's where the, I think that's where the, uh, the, the church is, is called to be. It's, it's called to be in a proactive situation. And so when, when, you're, when you're constantly thinking along, uh, along reactionary lines, you're actually being controlled by the world. Because the world does something, you do something right? The, the world actually ends up being your, being your efficient cause, and you're the effect, and your reaction is the effect, right? Because you, you, are, you are riding really on the coattails of the world. What the world does, you do. That's what it means to be reactionary. Um, and so we want, to, we want to be proactive. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 2. If you look at 2 Timothy 2 uh, verse 4, and Paul says there to, to Timothy, he says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that we're, that we're not to be involved in the world. I mean, we're in the world, right? We're, we're, you know, Jesus prays in John 17 that we're not removed from the world, but that, but that we uh, are, are, um, are equipped to live in the world to the glory of God. Not that we would be, you know, abstracted from the world, taken out of the world, or anything like that. Paul says, you know, you can't live your life as if that's supposed to be the case, because then you would, to be consistent with that, you would have to go out of this world. So he's not here in 2 Timothy 2 saying that, you know, we need to leave the world. But but he's saying that, you know, you you should not be entangled, you should not be in bed with the world such that what the world does, you do. Um, you shouldn't be entangled in the worldly affairs. So news headlines shouldn't be driving what you do for worship this coming Sunday, right? Because that would be, that would be giving the, the world a measure of control and authority within the local church that it shouldn't have. Whereas if you're proactive, you're, you, you're, you are teaching and preaching the oracles of God, which have baked into them uh, a, a, a way to live in this world through the means that God has prescribed in his word. 
So a way to be proactive is just to actually uh, is just to actually understand that uh, that that uh, that God has given us everything that we need in order to live in this world and interact in this world uh, in and through His Word, right? Uh, and, and so we we if we just follow His Word in terms of our worship, our polity, ecclesiology, all of that's very important in this in this regard. Because if we're structured as a church according to the Word of God, and if our worship follows how the Word of God has formed it, right? How the Word of God has designed it, how God has designed it, rather, in His Word or through His Word, then then there's there's less need for us to react. If we just live according to the way, because within the within the DNA of of the church, how the church is to be structured, it, it's 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 built, it's designed to 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 weather the constant movement and flux and contradictory nature and and uh, and and antagonistic nature that this world has that the church is contextualized by constantly by just being sojourning in this world right and um, you know so this idea of you know let's fight the culture war let's fight the culture war well I'm all for that if by that we mean, a proactive posture that is really the status quo for God's people and for God's church, and, and not a, a a a reactionary, uh, not a reactionary posture that requires us to 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 formulate our behavior and our responses and our uh, and our activity in general according to what the world is doing, because that's a subtle way in which we actually let the world have control. Conversely, in the New Testament, you get a very proactive view of the church, where the, the church is, is just kind of marching forward, using the weapons of her warfare that God has given her, really kind of ignoring what the world is doing to an extent, and 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 able to ignore what the... Now, you can't ignore the world if you're constantly reactionary, if, you, if you're not prepared, if you're not structured according to the Word of God, because the world then, you're not... You're not operating according to the design of the church, which has uh, the world in mind, right? Instead, you're, you're operating according to your own standard, in which case you have to react to the world because you're not operating according to the plan of God. But if you're operating according to the plan of God, which has baked into it a, 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 a mechanism for, for transcending what the world's doing, that is in, in, in reverent divine worship, the way the church is supposed to be structured and all of this, and we won't get into the specifics of that. There's debate as to what all those things look like. But the principle is, if you if you follow the Word of God, if the church follows the Word of God, if any one given local church follows the Word of God, then the less they'll be put back on their heels, the less they'll feel the need to react. And they'll just be kind of, in that sense, they'll just be kind of able to ignore the world and focus on what God has commanded them to focus on which I think is a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to look like. You, you kind of have an example of that in, in the churches that we see in Acts and the churches that we, that we encounter throughout the Pauline epistles. Um, or at least if they're not exemplifying it in themselves, which oftentimes they're not, you see the counsel that Paul gives them is setting them up. It's establishing them to, to exist in the world, but not be contingent upon or dependent upon everything that the world does, such that they are of the world at that point, being controlled by the world. So anyways, guys, I hope this was a helpful uh, episode. It's kind of a, a break from uh, the theology proper stuff, which will, which will continue on, no doubt.
Um, but I, I think this is a very good application of a natural principle, fight versus flight, uh, and we see it applied in Scripture all throughout, and, it, and it's bolstered in the New Testament in terms of how the church is to operate. The church is to be proactive. It's to be fighting. It's, it's on the offense. It's not constantly on the defense, right? The church is not constantly to be on the defense. The church needs to be on the offense. So missions kind of presupposes this, right? You see a place that's unreached by the gospel, for example, and the church says, we're sending soldiers out there. We're sending missionaries out to that place. And we understand that that place is covered in paganism and, and false worship, polytheism, or whatever. It's a Buddhist country or something like that. It's a Muslim country. We're sending our men over there. All right? That's what we're going to do. So that, that, whole, that whole thing, that's, that's, that's preemptive. That's preemptive at its very core. That's, that's offensive. It's not defensive at all. It's like saying we're going to send a, a group of God-called men over to this other country or over to this other state or over to this other city. We're going to plant a church there, a base of operations, and then we're going to begin unfolding from, from that base of operations, sending out other church planters, sending out other missionaries from there. It's a very offensive strategy that is ingrained in what it means to be the church in some ways. All right, guys, so God bless you all. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe also to the newsletter so that you get new letters, new uh, articles, and things like that delivered directly to your email inbox. God bless. Have a wonderful evening.